Welcome to Moves That Matter with Dr. Clyde Posley. I am your host, Dr. Clyde Posley, and we are excited to have you tune in with us again. We thank God for uh, the Moves That Matters show, the broadcast that you, of course, uh, can uh, subscribe to on iTunes, on YouTube, on Facebook, uh, live, and also on my website, uh, DrClydePosley.com. We have a fun-filled but very serious show for you today in our um, African-American month, our Black History Month uh, series of shows. We're looking forward to informing you, inspiring you, but at the same time, we're also trying to make sure that you are aware that we care about what's going on in the African-American community. Uh, We want to focus on that this month, and we ask you to tune in each month. We have a star-studded lineup uh, each week coming to you every Tuesday at 730. Uh, I want to remind you just before we get into our the first segment of this two-part segment to this show about my book, More Than Icons and Images, Uncovering the Hidden Protest Narrative of the Black Athlete in the 21st Century. Uh, that book is available to you on drclyaposey.com, on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Nobles, and wherever books are sold. Uh, we thank you, those of you who have already purchased the book. We appreciate uh, your efforts to participate in our uh, attempts to disseminate information about the African-American male struggle in the U.S. is going on today. Uh, we have uh, a star-studded guest, what I consider to be a star-studded guest lineup today. Uh, we have, uh, uh, later in our broadcast, we're going to have Miss um, uh, Nadia Miller, president of Pink Forever, uh, and uh, also Miss Lisa Hayes, the executive director of uh, uh, the Red Alliance, uh, ridding uh, the uh, trying to destroy this disparity between uh, cancer treatment and the early detection for African American women in the uh, African American culture. So those two ladies are going to come in, our, in the second part of our broadcast and talk a bit about that today. But right now, I have with me Miss Kamish Nunley. And she is going to talk, uh, we're going to get into a discussion uh, about the um, the role and the importance of mental health among uh, African-American male leaders mm-hmm. around the world, in America, in our city. And um, this is a major subject. Uh, I, I invited her here uh, because she's doing a great work uh, around the country, uh, in the Midwest. And so... Um, just a segue into my conversation with her, you know, the Bible uh, talks about mental health and it points out uh, that mental health and leadership are do, do have a symbiology, do have an intersection. In the book of First Kings, chapter 19, uh, Elijah, the prophet, uh, struck after his bout with Jezebel, had a, a strong, profound bout with depression, so much so that the Bible says that Elijah asked God to take his life, mm-hmm. meaning, uh, suggesting that he, that he had a moment where he was suicidal. And so uh, he did not commit suicide, as we know, but he, he had a moment in his life. That does not define who he was, but he had a moment in his life where his mental health was weighing more on him than his spiritual well-being. We're going to talk about that uh, a little bit going forward. But first of all, let me welcome my guest, Miss Kamish Nunley. Hello, Miss Nunley. Hello. How are you today? Good. I'm doing well. Good, good, good. Glad to have you. Uh, Miss Nunley, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do with uh, with your, with mental health 
just overall and some of your work um, in focus relative to African-American males or males in general Absolutely. with uh, mental health sure. leadership. So like you said, I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my own private practice. It's now a group private practice called mm-hmm. Healing Your Hidden Hurts Counseling Agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the last three and a half years or so, we have built into that practice uh, a spiritual component where we now have a mental health ministry and that allows us to travel throughout Indiana mm-hmm. and some other uh, churches uh, to provide mental health counseling services to congregants. Mm-hmm. And moreover, my work, my specialty is working with uh, leaders in the uh, church and pastors mm-hmm. and what have you. And so I felt really compelled to do that ever since um, God put it on my heart right. and showed me the level of suffering that is happening at that level. That is fantastic. Well, Miss Nelly, we're going to take a break just for a second. And when we come back, we're going to get a little further into this discussion. I can't wait to have it. We'll be right back here on Moves That Matter. All right, we're back here on Moves That Matters. I am your host, Dr. Clyde Posley, here with my guest, Miss Kamish Nunley uh, from uh, Healing Your Hidden Hurts. And so we're going to get into our discussion here. We're going to uh, talk, uh, and you guys need to tune in, lean forward, because we're going to go there. This is, this is very important. And what the work that Miss Nunley uh, is doing is a, is a work that I believe many African-American leaders, whether pastors, politicians, uh, 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 chaplains, yes. whatever fathers, whatever role you might find yourself in as an African American male, your mental health is important. So, Miss Nami, tell us um, um, what kind of pressures do you see African American males in leadership uh, be- being confronted by? Well, again, Dr. Posley, thank you so much for letting me come and talk about such a nuanced topic that a lot of times do not get enough attention. Right. Uh, especially in our communities today. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the pressures that I see currently going on um, within the climate of pastors and leaders or what have you is this ideal of um, suffering in silence, mm. where a lot of pastors, leaders feel like they have to go through these things and go through uh, them alone uh, because they have to model this ideal around strength. Right. Um, and with that, uh, they don't understand that within strength uh, lies um, your ability to self-control and have emotions mm-hmm. um, and have them freely. And strength, the undergirth of strength is your ability and your willingness to be transparent. And so when you're not, it leads to all type of toppling issues mm-hmm. um, such as uh, depression, um, anxiety, frustrations, anger, irritability, mm-hmm. uh, what we in the field know as compassion fatigue, mm-hmm. where you just kind of burn out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of all, it could lead compassion to... fatigue. Yes. And wow. most of all, it could lead to traumatic reactions mm-hmm. if you allow it to go long enough. And that's um, something that I specialize in is post-traumatic uh, stress disorder. And so I've seen a lot of pastors come through um, who have that diagnosis as a result of just taking everything in and not having any outlets. Right. Let me, let me ask you, uh, so what type of pressures um, weigh most on, mm-hmm. on pastors who you, um, not necessarily ones that you treat, but just in, just in your field? What, mm-hmm. what have you seen? What type of pressures and where do they come from? I think 
all in all, it, it's it's the the backing of that platform. And mm. so with that platform, with that level of promotion comes intense conflict. Um, conflict from your congregations, conflict from your board, conflict um, from your, uh, your, your family. Right. Um, so some of the things that I've seen and mostly. your own personal, confrontation with your own personal right, aspirations. Right, right, right. Um, so some of the things that I've seen is um, where people expect you to be God. Mm-hmm. And so any fallacy in that, they, they can and will sometimes turn in on you and project all of their inner hurts <laughs> when you and don't when you prove that you're not God when you disappoint right, them right right and so um, that's the biggest hmm. one that I've seen in terms of pressure but all in all just a lot of people think that because you have that platform you're not supposed to have an internal struggle mm-hmm. and honestly you're only the shepherd you're still human and so you still suffer with human conditions as mm-hmm. as a result and a part of the human condition comes with pain. Right. If you don't if you don't experience pain then you're not human. And so to expect our pastors and our leaders not to have some level of pain and suffering or not to be perfect in every areas of our lives um, it just sets not only the congregation up for failure but the pastor or leader themselves. Right. Right. There is a there is a um you know, it, it, part of my doctoral work had to do uh, was centered on uh, Jacques Lacan, and one mm. one interpreter of Jacques Lacan was uh, an author named Mark Brocker, and he talked about in one of his writings that that part of he he, he, he talked about grand narratives, master mm-hmm. narratives, mm-hmm. and and part of what um, religion becomes for a lot of people uh, is a progenitor of this grand narrative. Mm-hmm. That re- all reli- all religious leaders are perfect mm-hmm. because they think religion is perfect, right. and when they discover both are untrue, neither religion is perfect nor the leaders. There's then a turning on the church yes. for, in a sense, misleading them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we call that church hurt. Church hurt. Right? That's just well, a fancy a way of, times, of saying. A lot of times, right. it's people hurt. It's people hurt, and they bring their own subjective experiences of right. reality into the church. And when, like you said, when it's projected onto the pastor, and they don't mm-hmm. meet that expectation, then they walk away and say that church hurt me. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, so how how serious uh, meaning uh, how widespread mm. a problem is this? Uh, is the mental health or the disparities among understanding mental health in African-American leadership, among African-American leaders? I mean, it's a fairly serious um, issue. We are losing pastors and leaders at an alarming rate. I just recently posted on my Facebook uh, group page Mm -hmm. um, about a pastor recently taking his life as a result of um, the the pressures that were placed upon him as a result of the church. Um, as well as some personal issues, family issues that he was going through and just didn't see any other avenue. So it is fairly serious. And it has to be because when you're expected to be perfect and you're expected not to have um, emotional reactions or not to have any level of pain or suffering, um, what you start to do is start to believe that narrative Mm -hmm. of sorts. And you start to wow. try to deny your emotional self. Right. And you start to uh, feel as though if if you can just deaden yourself to the emotions or mm. the reactions that Mm-mm. you feel, then you'll be better. But what that leads to is self-deception. And if you continue in that um, for too long, like I said, post-traumatic stress, stress disorder is a huge likelihood. But you also go into secondary tra- traumatic symptoms. Okay, talk um, a little bit about that. 
So secondary trauma is basically you're taking everything in Mm -hmm. and you're experiencing certain symptomology as a result of not having a way to get it out. Mm -hmm. So you Um, have the post-traumatic distress disorder. And, and so the it's, next coupled, step. It, it's coupled. Okay. So okay. usually it starts with secondary trauma okay. or compassion fatigue. Okay. And then it, if it, if it's allowed to go long enough, it turns into chronic post-traumatic stress mm. disorder. Um, so secondary trauma, things like having nightmares, flashbacks, intrusive thoughts about your expectations, um, increased irritability, uh, frustrations. Um, some people turn to self-harm. Some people become illusional, um, not delusional, but they start to create uh, illusions of mm-hmm. reality. Um, and so it, it really is hard. Um, depersonalization, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, where um, a lot of times you feel like you're a casing of yourself. You don't feel like you're within your body, so it wow. almost feels like you're outside of your body. Um, numbing reactions happen where you, like I said, don't experience any level of emotion. You feel like you have to numb yourself to that emotion, right, and sometimes suicidality or mood uh, disorders become a part of that as well. So. Right, right. Yeah, so it's it's really it's really serious, and that's why I encourage all leaders, all pastors, to have a support system in place. And if you find yourself venturing wow. into this uh, level of mental health, being willing to reach out to a counselor, um, it's not going to hurt anyone to talk. Right. It's not going to hurt anybody. That brings me to my next 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 question, uh, and 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 you you kind of stepped into it already, Miss Nunley. Why it's so difficult, or why the, why so many pastors, politicians, uh, black males in leadership, why they suffer in silence? Yes. Because in many there in many instances they're supposed to be the black stallion in the sense of just strong Displaced and strength. just exactly displaced strength, and so it's easy to just. Out of embarrassment or anger, it would seem, you know, at yourself or mm-hmm. at the people who are causing it mm-hmm. to be in silence. Do, do you do you run across silent sufferers? Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. such a level of guilt and shame mm-hmm. uh, that I found. all together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that creates itself as a result of mm-hmm. feeling like uh, you have to keep everything in and mm-hmm. you have to. Uh, uh, exemplify this ideal of of strength. And a lot of times people don't understand, like I said earlier, strength um, is a relative word. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that vulnerability is the gateway to strength. And so in order to... Say that again, if you don't mind. Vulnerability is the gateway to strength. Letting your hair down, allowing your scars to be seen so Mm -hmm. that other people can then share their scars with you. That's the gateway to strength. Yeah, right. So if you're walking around uh, denying that part of you, mm-hmm. then that's like 50% of you that um, that is not being uh, adhered to. Right. And if we're talking about being emotionally whole, we have to be a well-rounded person. So I can be gifted and anointed spiritually. I can be um, great character-wise and mm-hmm. have my ducks in a row uh, uh, physically, but I also have to have the capacity to be willing right. to be strengthened emotionally and psychologically. That so, you know, that, that is so, that's, that's what, what you were saying, it, it is just so powerful. You know, churches, uh, I'm speaking about black pastors now. Mm-hmm. Churches um, need this type of counseling before they call a pastor. Yes. Or, or before they function with their pastor. Mm-hmm. Now, all churches should go through this type of training. I was talking to uh, a pastor, and he was telling me about, you know, how dangerous it can be mm. for um, 
churches, mm-hmm. and, he, and he, he was depicting church members as sheep, as the Bible mm-hmm. does. Yes. Sheep trying to select a pastor. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what is what is what what is the? I'm going to get into another thing with that, but how is that really possible for the sheep to know what they need in the in their shepherd collectively? Mm-hmm. They're going to select selfishly. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want. Mm-hmm. And here, here's why this is important. A church congregation is the bride. Yes. Of sorts yes. to a pastor, his yes. spiritual bride in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so she is a helpmeet. Mm-hmm. She has got to know his vulnerabilities mm-hmm. without judging him. Mm-hmm. She's got to be aware of where he's at risk, right. what his needs are, what his background is that make him to some degree vulnerable to certain things. What his character if she, is. What his character mm-hmm. is without judging him if she's going to love him. Yes. Because you cannot fully love that which you don't know. Absolutely. And so uh, I think this what you're saying is just so powerful, but it's not just for the black leaders because mm-hmm. we can't just we can't talk about black leaders often without talking about the need to shape up and enter and strengthen their help. Right, right. That's right, very right. important. I thought it was really unique in the Bible how it talks about uh, the women would always go and prepare a place for them mm. for him That's when right. he would go to speak. And to me, that says that. Um, they had to make it so that when he entered, the love was almost there, mm-hmm. right? Prepare of course, the he's all love, mm-hmm. but when he goes, he's he's in a place of familiarity. Mm-hmm. And so I think the same is very true for pastors. Like, no one is going to be that ideal right. um, pastor. I, I Not on this earth. No, no. nobody's going to be that idea. And so if you don't have, if you're closed off to love, unconditional love, which is basically what you were talking about, um, be, being willing to accept a pastor wholeheartedly, uh, regardless of, you know, if they have minor issues in mm-hmm. their life. Um, to be able to have that sense of uh, unconditional love, we have to know what role um, our psychological and mental health play That's in right. your ability to do right. that. Permanent Because role. otherwise exactly. you're just going off of your subjective experience of what love is and that makes it easier for you then to condemn a pastor that you yourself brought in and, and, and castrate him from the church as a result of him disappointing you. That's powerful. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so I would just say looking at things, and I did a, a, a training on this about creating an emotionally healthy church, looking at things through the lens and through the heart of God mm-hmm. and learning that um, – Yes, we can all put it, put together a search committee and look for any one pastor, but we also have to be willing to build that pastor right. up. It's right. like a lot of congregations want a move-in ready home, <laughs> but they don't have move-in That's ready powerful. budgets. That's right. Right? Or mindsets. So, right. That's right. So we have to be willing to meet him where he's at so that mm-hmm. he can build. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the Bible talks about how we are not made to be mm-hmm. alone. And so if somebody feels like they're walking in solitude mm-hmm. and they have this weight that they're carrying with them in terms of building the church, getting right. members, all of these things, um, as well as, you know, family issues or personal issues um, and their own aspirations, then they're going to crumble under right. the pressure. Right. It's inevitable. That is you, you are saying some some powerful stuff, man, that is. That that is. All. Let, let me ask you this. Let, let me ask you this. And 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 on my next show, I have a pastor, uh, Doctor Than Williams. Uh, he he. We we might even get into a little bit of this. But um, uh, I want to ask you: What are three things that a pastor can do to um, bolster or strengthen or invite God in 
yes. to his mental health, uh, yes. healing and wholeness? So the first thing is going to sound kind of uh, uh, off-putting, but honestly, mm-hmm. my thought is just as I've done this work over the years is we have to surrender to self. We have to literally like mm-hmm. die to self um, in order to protect the anointing that God has put on mm-hmm. our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to walk in humility with a theology of weakness instead of a theology of power. Say that again. So Walk in humility. <laughs> with a theology of weakness, which is what mm-hmm. Paul talks about when right. he was condemning people about being super apostles. Uh-huh. And walk more so in, and not walk so much in theology mm-hmm. of power, which is basically walking in pride mm-hmm. and and walking um, with that legalism stuff, you know, carrying around, you know, you have to do right. this right, you have to do, you know, uh, the law is prevalent, mm-hmm. but it's only in, prevalent so far as to reveal to us how we're in sin. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to condemn us or shut us down or even save us. And so we have to move away from this ideal of power and control and even pushing our own agendas right. in the church, which is what a theology of power is mm-hmm. as well. Um, and be willing to accept and boast in our weakness. I think um, any pastor listening today, um, you know, could benefit greatly. Uh, There is, I I know that you have some um, other ventures that you are interested in getting involved in, other other avenues to try to help pastors. Could you talk a little bit about those? So it's really interesting that you started off the show with a story about Elijah, Mm -hmm. um, because that's what led me into my newest venture, Mm. where I've started a pastor support group um, called First Shepherds. I was going to call it First Kings, but then I realized there's women pastors as well. (laughs) Not realized, but I knew that. And so um, just showing how, you know, when Mm -hmm. you walk in this, I think one of the biggest things with Elijah is he felt alone. He even said, I'm the only one left. And so while it was depression, it was also coupled with a level of fear and anxiety fear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of, of the spirit of Jezebel That's coming right. coming down on him and not right. feeling emboldened to be able to speak up. And to me, First Shepherds is about teaching pastors and leaders how to step up even when they're the only one. Right. I've always been the only one, but I've been willing uh, to be resilient enough, um, empowered enough to speak up against what I know not to be. Mm-hmm. Gospel, what I know not to be in truth. And so that's one of our newest ventures that we're going into right now. And then we also have our bullying program that we do every year. We're contracted or we're partnered with the WNBA mm-hmm. um, that's coming up here in May. And so we're really preparing for that because just like our pastors and leaders are under attack, so are our children, mm-hmm. which is my second ministry. Right, so. right. You are doing a great work. You're really, you're really doing a great work. I, I, I wish I had... Two hours. I might need to have a series of just because it's mental health and and wholeness and and, and hidden hurts. All of that that intersectionality is really causing a whole lot of uh, um, things to happen in the church today. And we don't even realize that it's coming from some of those things. So, right. Listen, right. I'd like you to take um, maybe a couple minutes and just give us some closing thoughts about what you'd like to see happen. Uh, within the body of Christ, in society, or mm-hmm. wherever, there are black leaders who are seeking wholeness right. uh, with their mental health. I guess one closing thought for me is uh, just to all the leaders and pastors and, and any um, person in the congregation mm-hmm. who's who feels led by God is um, 
to be able to stick with it and um, not to give up on the fight because we are all up under some sort of spiritual uh, uh, warfare. Mm -hmm. And to be willing to step out on faith and let somebody help you. You know, the Bible talks about um, we shall be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And counseling is a light act that helps you to understand where the dark areas are so that your minds can be renewed. And so I just encourage all of you to stick with the fight, um, move through it, and be willing to uh, speak out and seek help if you need it. God bless you, Kamish. God bless you. We thank you so much for being here today. We're going to be right back in just a moment with our next guest. We thank God for Commission Nunley and the Healing Hurts Ministry. Her information is available to you. Uh, she'll be on the screen there, but just below. And so we'll be right back in just a moment on Moves That Matters. I'm Dr. Kyle Moses. Welcome back to Moves That Matter. I am your host, Dr. Clyde Posley, and I have with me my guest, uh, Nadia Miller and Lisa Hayes. I I promised you we would be discussing health issues in the African-American community in this show. Uh, If you're just tuning in, our last guest, uh, Ms. Kamish Nunley, uh, Healing Your Hidden Hurts, was here. She informed us greatly and blessed us. We have with us today two trailblazers uh, in our month of African-American voices, new strides, new voices and new strides. We have with us uh, Ms. Nadia Miller and uh, Lisa Hayes, and they're going to talk to us about uh, their fight, our fight, uh, you'll find out, uh, to uh, rid the uh, Midwest, Indiana, Indianapolis, but the country of this evil that we know of called cancer. And we can do it. God is a powerful God. If he can heal one, he can heal us all. Amen? Right. Ms. Miller, uh, talk to us about uh, Pink Forever and uh, your role in it coming to be. Well, I am uh, the president and the co-founder of Pink Forever. Pink Forever was um, created actually by my brother. He Mm. founded the organization back in 2005 after our sister Mm. had died of the disease. And then two years later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so Pink Forever is an education and outreach organization here in Indianapolis. And our focus is to provide education and materials to individuals who are in active treatment for breast cancer. And then also we have an emergency assistance fund to provide services like those forgotten needs, um, prescriptions, gas money, daycare for the babies to get back and forth, things that are kind of forgotten about. And then we provide mammography for individuals who are underserved and underinsured here in Indianapolis. Servicing, servicing the needs of those mm-hmm. people. Ms. Hayes, talk to us about uh, the Red Alliance. Yes, yeah, so the Red Alliance, RED stands for Reaching to End Disparities. Right. And... Uh, This was an organization that was formed several years ago uh, specifically to look at eliminating the breast cancer disparities that Mm -hmm. African-American women face in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Those disparities include uh, having a higher mortality rate than Mm -hmm. in comparison to white women. Also, we tend to be diagnosed at a later stage of the disease, which means it makes it harder to African American women do. African American women, Mm -hmm. correct. And then also, uh, we are diagnosed at a younger age. Uh, in comparison to white women. I just saw some research I put on Facebook uh, about African-American women being diagnosed at an earlier age more often than not. Exactly. uh, And also another one is being diagnosed with more aggressive forms of breast cancer, Mm. one of which is triple negative breast cancer, which Nadia and I uh, both were diagnosed with. That's information that people need to know. That's why why, uh, this show is important. Uh, You as guests is important. 
People need to understand this is not just, oh, you know, found you heard so-and-so had breast cancer. So this is a big deal. It touches us all. Um, uh, two and a half years ago, as as you both know, uh, I, I lost my sister to the battle of uh, breast cancer. Uh, first of the five children uh, to go home to be with the Lord. It devastated my family. And it was a long process. She fought it, uh, but ultimately succumb uh, uh, she succumbed to uh, the disease. So talk to us about what we can do about it. How does uh, Pink Forever and uh, the Red Alliance work together? Uh, and be specific, if you will, about ridding the uh, country of this, the African-American community, this, this dilemma in our community. I'll start out with that. And I do want to mention to your listeners that uh, Pastor Posley is the newly elected president of the board of the Red I Alliance. Am. So I, I'm I am. really happy that Thank he's you. on board in that position because you have been uh, very supportive of the, the Red Alliance. And, Thank you very much. Uh, the Red Alliance was really formed uh, with the thought that uh, bringing together uh, various stakeholders in, in the healthcare mm -hmm. environment, and stakeholders include uh, caregivers right. and survivors, as well as those hospital systems and insurance companies. But right. to bring together uh, all those stakeholders who have some role in uh, providing any kind of services as it relates to breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that makes the Red Alliance stand apart from some other organizations is we are truly trying to work with all these various partners mm -hmm. to look at why is that those disparities happening. Right. Locating it, the gaps. Finding right. out why, and right. then from that, coming up with solutions. And we know that not just one person or one organization can do that. That's right. why we uh, try to gather partners to That's help right. us uh, with this fight to eliminate disparities. And so uh, Pink Forever is one of our uh, biggest and most important partners. Right. Uh, Pink Forever has a similar mission in, in that Pink Forever is um, concerned about disparities and has Talk a role a of, about that. Uh, you know, educating and bringing awareness to, to the disease. Mm -hmm. So they're like the feet, feet on the ground. Okay. Uh, for the Red Alliance because okay. we might identify what some of the problems are, what it, some of the needs are, right. but our organization doesn't have uh, the backing behind it to actually provide the service. Mm -hmm. So that's where, where we turn to partners. And that's where Pink like Forever, Forever. Talk to us about, a little bit about that, uh, Ms. Miller. Well, Pink Forever, one of the things about Pink Forever, um, in, in, in my opinion, and one thing we found out in the community is that for the African-American community, it's important that there is a trust factor. Right. So we provide individuals that look like me and you to go out and talk to families. And, and build relationships. And build, it's important. I right. mean, the rapport is what initially matters um, to provide that connection so you can even serve, um, you know, within the community. Right. And very often, because the disparity is so large um, between African-American women and Caucasian women, mm -hmm. that it matters and it requires us to provide individuals and information that has faces on it that look like yours and mine, that also provide the same type of cultural dialogue that's important so that we can reach and we can service those. And so we provide volunteers and educators that can go into the community. And some areas where folks just don't want to go into um, and, and give them the information that they need. That's right. I want to pick up on what Nadia said about that trust factor, mm -hmm. but because with the Red Alliance, one of the things that we intentionally did was to build a faith-based component mm -hmm. into what we do because research shows, and I think all of us who, who are involved in churches and the faith-based community, we know that the church is where black women find comfort, 
right. safety right. And, uh, and trust. And so if we're trying to spread messages of awareness and education and dis- to dispel myths and to help people to overcome mm-hmm. what kind of fears they have, mm-hmm. the church is one of the best places Absolutely. to Absolutely. do that. And, and so uh, the Red Alliance has a faith-based uh, component, which is, again, a- another part of the partnership that we have with Pink That's Forever right. because right. Pink Forever has been working within churches for I about guess, 10 since years. It's, right. its inception. Right. And so um, particularly in 2019, we are joining forces together right. to make sure that we're trying to touch as many churches in the Indianapolis area yeah, as we can. So, so one of I'm the things... I'm going to do everything within my power to make sure that that happens. Yeah, that's why we're absolutely. so happy to have you on board. And, absolutely. and so we have... One of the main things that the Red Alliance does is train breast health advocates to serve in their churches. Mm-hmm. So they, they can be... Um, that helper there to implement programs, to connect people with resources uh, if they need breast health services, to be a support system for those who might be going through the diagnosis stage Mm -hmm. or or getting treatment. And then again, once they're there, they need to be connected to help. That help comes from organizations like Pink Forever. All of this is very valuable information, and especially from two survivors, two people who have seen the underbelly of the painful process that breast cancer can bring into the life of a intrude yes. into mm-hmm. the life of a, of, 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 a, of a young woman. So listen, so talk to us a little bit um, about uh, why it is so important to be proactive versus just reactive after this thing occurs. What, why is preventative maintenance and awareness so important? Uh, Preventative maintenance um, actually saves lives. Mm. We can't do anything, and this is the truth, about being diagnosed. But you can get ahead of the game by having annual screenings, by being aware of your body, by understanding what is going on to be proactive enough to go to the doctor. Let me just break in here. I want to ask you a question. Can you talk, and I notice, why why aren't more women... Uh, African American community in uh, community uh, getting treatment, uh, well, getting pro- these taking these proactive steps. I mean, you're the research mm-hmm. arm of, of of this partnership, right. uh, Red Alliance. Why? What's what's getting in the way of the screenings, the uh, mammographies, and all of that? Yeah, I like to address that because the the unique thing about Indianapolis is that this disparity exists where black women are dying more often from breast cancer, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that we're being screened at about the same rate as white women. So what that says to us and and what researchers are looking at is that there is something happening from that time of that screening on through to possibly diagnosis Mm -hmm. and treatment. So that's where a lot of our our research is focused on. So one of the things that we found so far mm-hmm. is that a woman may go in for a screening, a black woman may go in for her screening and get an abnormal result. When they get that abnormal result, several things could happen. One is that they fear comes in, and that fear may paralyze them. And so what that means is I get an abnormal result, I'm just... I'm not going to do anything, right. or I'm just going to go to church and pray, which is a prayer is always good, yeah. but there's but it's work not to do. all that we need to do. Exactly, exactly. exactly. So the Bible teaches us that faith without works is, is dead. dead, being alone. Yes, yeah. yes. And so, you know, that's a message that could be reinforced in the church. Yeah. So, again, that's why we partner. Yeah. But so that can happen. Sometimes it's fear. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not knowing where to go. Right. You know, that, oh, I, I, I need to go back for more tests. I don't have insurance. Or if I have insurance, I'm, I'm going to have to pay a, a copay. Mm-hmm. I can't afford that. Well, the Red Alliance, uh, uh, something else that we do is make sure 
that women are connected with resources so that they right. know there are resources out there such as I was Pink about Barrera, to say, which, which brings me back you can to, go to, to, your, to for your screening. for the service. And let me ask mm -hmm. you this. What, what have you, uh, uh, Ms. Miller, what have you or have you heard um, from as you give services and oftentimes in services to end-time patients? Mm -hmm. What regrets do you hear mm -hmm. about what mm. they wish they would have done mm. about early detection, if any? Uh, I think the main one is what um, Lisa just spoke about, is I wish that I wasn't scared to go. I wish I wasn't scared to follow up or follow through. Um, it matters. Timing matters. Mm -hmm. It matters from the time that you get a letter and says that you need to come back in for additional screening. Um, it matters. And when um, at the end of at, at the end of, or the, the quality of life is what we always talk about. I mean, at that particular juncture, there's not much we can do at that point in time mm -hmm. with regrets. Mm -hmm. And so um, for me, and I think for all the breast health advocates here in Indianapolis, our, my biggest thing and a call to action that we want to, for the Indianapolis community, is to encourage from faith-based programs mm -hmm. to programs in the community, encourage um, individuals to be proactive to go after your own health care and also right. to be your own advocate while you're in Absolutely. the doctor's office. That's exactly. Right? right? If you right. don't advocate for you, who fight will? For, start to fight for right. your life in conversation with Absolutely. your doctor. Exactly. That, Absolutely. That, that's a real key, too, because some of the research that uh, we've done also is showing that sometimes the, these uh, more adverse outcomes that black women face is because of a lack of good communication between mm -hmm. them and, and their treatment team. Or knowing how to talk to them. Knowing how to talk or right. knowing What's the or understanding right. what they're saying. So, And it's not just black women, black men too. Mm -hmm. and, and really when I say knowing how to community. talk, I mean understanding the vocabulary. When people talk about T-cell counts, when they talk about uh, uh, what what actually, what leukocytes are and what we're trying to accomplish with chemo, right. being able I mean to knowing say how, knowing the verbiage. Break this down. Help me to understand. Sure. Talk to me in a language I understand. And and if your healthcare provider is not willing to do that, you need to find another. You, one. you, you have options. And you know you That's have right. options. Absolutely. That's the other you have thing. You know that you have options. That's right. yeah. You have treatment options. Uh, the other thing I want to mention about being proactive is that. Uh, people need to know their personal risk mm -hmm. for breast cancer or, right. or any kind of That brings me to my disease. next question. Yeah. So what are some of the risk, uh, what are some of the uh, uh, factors, symptoms? Mm -hmm. If a person has, if a young African-American woman or an African-American woman of any age has, um, what signs might she know? I, mean, I think some people know the universal signs of uh, the feeling for a lump, but what other signs may be potential indicators that you need to go get a mammogram. And I'll veer to Lisa for this as well. But, I mean, we both, number one, everyone, in my opinion, be it female or male, has to start with, you have to know what is normal for your own body. Exactly. Did you say female or male? Female or male. Talk about that Female or male. Because people need to hear this. Well, I think it's a misnomer that men don't get breast cancer. They are not impacted by breast cancer. But I believe in 2015, 2016, there were 1,890-some men that were diagnosed with breast cancer. Right. That That's a large number, considering most would believe and so, and, that... And many of them young men. Young men. Yes. And, and the numbers for young women, and I say young, under the age of 30 or under the age of 40, being diagnosed with breast cancer is over 200,000 or so with just that number. That's a pretty large, that's a pretty large number. Yes, it is. And, um, and I think that when we talk about breast cancer and breast health or individuals see images on the screen, they forget that those disparaging numbers 
represent us, represent people of color. Right. Um, and that is, and, and also, thank you, just as a side note, giving us the platform to discuss this. Absolutely. Because so, it is so something necessary. that it does, and it go it goes unnoticed at times right. until until the the services are needed, unfortunately, for services, burial services, or someone is succumbing right. to the disease before right. they reach out to get the services. Right. We need to get ahead of this thing. Right. So, I, yeah. I wanted to speak to that as well because you talked about knowing some of the signs and symptoms, but I think it's important to, even before you get to Signs those and symptoms. Signs right. and symptoms. Mm-hmm. There are things that people ought to be doing. Right. Yeah. Uh, for instance, diet. Diet. Yes. And not not mm-hmm. even mentioned though about just knowing your body. And th- this goes for breast cancer and all other diseases. If you know what's normal for you, once you feel or see something that just doesn't seem right, even if you're just feeling, I just don't feel right. That's your body talking to you. Something is going on. That's your trigger. Go mm-hmm. get it checked out. Right. Don't just say. I'm, I'm going to ignore this because, again, it could be fear mm-hmm. or I'm going to just let this ride because I don't want to spend the money. Yeah. No, find some resources, whatever you need. Right. But then also but just procrastination. Just, exactly. Yeah. Right. You know what I but, should, uh, just don't get around to doing it. Yeah. Well, just all these other things. Li- life happens. Not all right. these other things that you put as a priority. But, mm-hmm. but you got to make your health your priority right. sometimes, you know. That's but right. But then beyond that... Um, just healthy lifestyles. You mentioned diet. Right. Um, and, and nobody really wants to talk about food and, and right. eating healthy, but it does have an impact on sure. your risk. There are, there are vegetables that fight carcinogens. Exactly. You know, absolutely. A healthy diet, rest. Yeah. Rest. That's you a know, good one. Avoiding stress. stress yes. um, 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 Exercise. Right. Drug use. We don't want to, yeah. you know, bring we these things in. Right. Food. These things mm-hmm. in. That is so. So, talk a little bit about as we prepare, as we kind of round up our um, um, uh, closing here. Um, what kind of informational summits do you have uh, moving forward uh, to get the word out? Great time to ask because we have coming up on uh, March eighth and ninth mm-hmm. our third annual uh, Red Alliance Breast Health Summit, mm-hmm. and this summit was actually an idea that was born by Nadia and I, and mm-hmm. I, and uh, what four years four ago. Years ago. Just looking at the community and feeling this need to, you know, share information and sharing in a way that was uh, compelling to to our people, mm-hmm. to get them all in the same room to mm-hmm. just kind of talk, mm-hmm. uh, to share information, to get con- people connected to resources. Right. So that's what we do. So coming up on March eighth and ninth, our breast health summit it will be at the Marriott East out on twenty uh, first and Shadeland. Right. Full day of uh, educational information. We're going to have a panel discussion where. Dr. Posley, along with some other uh, stakeholders, will be there. Uh, Andrea Moorhead, Mm -hmm. Channel 13 anchor, who recently had her own breast cancer Mm -hmm. experience, will be facilitating, Mm -hmm. moderating that panel where we're going to be talking about what role do different um, organizations, businesses, hospitals, what role do you have? In the village it takes to do this. address these disparities mm-hmm. and, and have some better patient outcomes. Because yeah. that's really what it's, it's about. That's what it's about. It's, it's it, the end game. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the end game. It's, 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 so. it's a teleological yeah. pursuit. It's, it's the result. We want results. We want people healed. And, right. and the quality of life strengthened and prolonged for, for people. Let me, let me say this. You two ladies are a gift to this community. Um, not long ago on this very show, I taught, I taught a lesson about Peter and John. The first, the first miracle in the church uh, of, of two as Christians got together mm-hmm. uh, was when they, in Acts chapter 3, and that man had been laid at the gate just outside of the healing that needed to go on, that was going on, going to go on inside. Peter told that man, silver and gold have we none, 
but look on us. Mm -hmm. I think you two could send that very message to people, uh, and you're going to do it through this broadcast. Look on us. Here are two women who have used the services of which we speak, and also by the grace of God, you're right. alive to show that what you do helps people live. Yeah. I'm proud okay. of both of you. I'm well, glad to know you. you. Thank and you. thanks for coming. Thank God you. bless both of you. Thank God you, bless thank you, you very much. That's our show for today. This has been Moves That Matters with Dr. Clyde Poser. We have a star-studded lineup coming to you next week. I hope you continue to tune in. I thank you for all of the views I'm getting from across the country, across the world, Germany, Switzerland. God bless you all. Thank you for your participation and engagement with our show. Listen, you're going to be making some moves, some decisions every day in your life. Choose to make your moves, moves that matter. God bless you.